You're listening to the Northwestern Campus Ministry Podcast from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Northwestern Campus Ministry exists to send students out as those rooted, built up, and established in Christ for God's glory and for the sake of the world. Thanks for listening and enjoy this recent message from our Christian Formation Program. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to chapel. We got a short week this week. I hope you all are pushing hard until Easter break, that you're doing well, uh, that you're managing uh, to balance your priorities, but we're, we're grateful and happy that you're here this morning uh, to worship with us. This morning, uh, it's Holy Week, if you didn't know. Holy Week is kind of the week leading up to Easter. We've got Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Thursday, Maundy Thursday, Friday, Good Friday, and then ultimately Easter Sunday. Um, but today, we are going to, um, even though it's Tuesday, we're going we're gonna to have a Good Friday service. Good Friday is the day that Jesus was crucified that he died. And so while uh, it is good and right to look forward to Easter, while we should uh, be excited about getting to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, the, the conquering of sin and death, it's also important that we take time to go low, just as Jesus did, to walk in his footsteps, to try and imagine what it was like to take on the weight, literally the weight of the sin of the world to be hung upon a cross, and to die. And then to imagine what it was like for those disciples who had spent the last three years following him, that all of a sudden this rabbi and teacher that they loved and believed in is dead and is buried in a grave. So this morning, I'm just telling you now, spoiler alert, there is no happy ending to this service. We're going to stop at Friday. But know that When we go low for Good Friday, that just means that we can go high and go up for Easter Sunday, and that's a beautiful thing. So Easter is coming, but today we're going to, yeah, just stop at Good Friday and let it sit there. So um, there'll be lots of different prayers that we're going to pray. Some of them are responsive. You'll get to join along. There'll be uh, a few different styles of songs, um, worship songs that you know. Uh, spirituals, uh, hymns, even a Taize worship song that we're going to do. There'll be poetry, there'll be imaginative prayer where you take time to actually put yourself in the story. So there's lots of different ways to engage with this story today. Um, So yeah, I just pray that uh, you you enter in, that you enter into this moment um, that's actually kind of hard to fully enter into. Um, So as we As we prepare our hearts for worship today, uh, would you join me in this opening prayer and call to worship? Come, let us gather again in the shadow of the cross of Christ. We gather to remember the overwhelming evidence of love's ultimate sacrifice. Who would have guessed that the height and depth, the length and width of God's love might look like this? a forsaken Savior on a cross. Certainly not us, not us who are so often lost amid the world's distractions and responsibilities, not us for whom such love was offered without cost. Let us gather again in the shadow of the cross of Christ and commit ourselves to remember the price paid. Let us live our lives in a way that indicates why this Friday is called good. Thanks be to God, who opened the gates of heaven, 
Today is one of the gray days of the Christian year, a day when the lights are dimmed and the sky is overcast, a day when theologians and poets feel as if a heavy veil is drawn over heart and mind, an inexplicably sad day. We often resist the gray areas, prefer to see everything in black and white, look for cloudless, sunny skies, try not to read between the lines Throw in a bright color or two to try and enliven the scene. But we are invited to accompany Jesus through this gray day, to be witnesses to his suffering, to keep silence before his cry of dereliction. In our imaginations, let us trudge through Jerusalem until we come to the place of the cross, and then let us not turn our faces away. Here is a day marked by the brokenness of the world, but it is not a day to wallow in misery or to indulge in morbid thoughts about the crucifixion. It is simply a somber, dignified day. 
when we remember how it was for Jesus and find at the foot of the cross a place to lay down ours and the world's sorrows. On gray days, it is hard to see clearly, difficult to understand things that aren't clear, yet all we are asked to do today is to be present to the sacred story as it is retold, and to the inexplicable, mysterious, and wondrous transaction that was and still is taking place. Hear these words as they are said in the book that we love. Matthew 26, 20 through 25. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. Judas, Peter, because we are all betrayers, taking silver and eating body and blood and asking, guilty, is it I? And hearing him say, yes. It would be simple for us all to rush out and hang ourselves. But if we find grace to cry and wait after the voice of mourning has crowed in our ears clearly enough to break our hearts, he will be there to ask us each again, do you love me? Hear these words from Matthew 26, 36 through 50. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, 
Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer has arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. Hear these words from Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests. The elders and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days we'll build another not made with hands. Yet even their testimonies did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes, 
Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him. They struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and they beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And Peter broke down, and he wept. Peter ran away, but he has forced himself to come back. His courage swells and then deflates. As we listen to the gospel story, it is like a film where the scenes featuring Jesus and Peter are intercut. Jesus is interrogated by the Jerusalem, Jerusalem priestly aristocracy. Are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? Peter is interrogated by a servant girl. You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. Jesus seems to draw strength from his accusers. Peter's weakness is zeroed in on by the girl. Jesus makes his confession, I am. Peter makes his denial, I am not. As the rooster crows, the sound rams home the truth that Peter is no longer with Jesus as he was called to be at the beginning of the gospel. Jesus' aloneness is mirrored by Peter's as he can only weep bitterly at his failure. We're going to move into a time of imaginative prayer. So um, the goal for this is for you to put yourself in the scene that we just read, the scene where Jesus is being interrogated uh, by, by the priests and where Peter is being interrogated by the girl. So as you imagine the scene, do I see myself anywhere in this scene? Do I draw strength from Jesus' integrity in being himself despite the consequences? Do I feel sorry for Peter? recognizing that I too have traveled the road of denying who I am.
And despite my failings, do I feel Jesus still drawing me into his mercy? Hear these words from Matthew 27, 31 through 43. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Final breath he gave 
As heavy looked away, the Son of God was laid in darkness. Hear these words from Matthew twenty-seven forty-five through 56. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar, putting it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. The enfleshment of the word, the assumption of the human condition is now laid bare, illuminated paradoxically by the darkness. The loneliness touching on abandonment is felt despite the presence of so many people, with even his women friends perhaps on the edges of his vision. The heavy weight of what Jesus has taken on challenges us to see in it the heavy weight of God's glory. There is only the word of the centurion which tells us that there is something to see here which is not an appalling failure. Put yourself in this scene and ask yourself these questions. What do I see? Do I see glory here? Do I see a king? Do I come near or do I stand far off? Am I at least fully present with Christ?
Hear these words from Matthew 27, verses 57 through 60. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. We have sinned and have been the cause of Christ's suffering. Please forgive us, we pray. Remove the sins that distance us from you and from those we love and care about. Remove our selfishness, our pride, our envy, and our greed. Remove from us our thoughtless acts and words that hurt one another. Remove from us the tendency to hurt others out of revenge and anger. Forgive us, please. 
Create in us a clean heart, O Lord, and renew in us a right spirit. Amen. of closing prayer. O oh God of grace and mercy, you have heard our last words spoken by Jesus, your Son and our Savior. We have remembered the way your love was expressed to the world on the cross. We have heard the cry of anguish. As we have heard these words, we recognize our responsibility in the death of one who knew no sin, who walked in complete faithfulness with you. We rejected his offer of grace. We chose the way of violence. 
we placed him on the cross. In the name of the crucified one, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.